Hello everyone, this is Tara and this is God Talk with Tara. We're going to dive into prayer tonight and I think there may be a lot more prayer tonight than normal. I hope there might be a lot more prayer tonight than normal. We'll see what the Lord has to say. Um, I actually thought all of tonight was going to be prayer until I started talking to Corey and realized there was more. Uh, so we're going to begin with prayer though and we will end with prayer and if the Lord moves us to prayer in between then so be it. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for the promise that you are with us, that there is more to come that we don't see. That you are present in every circumstance, that it is your will, your power that holds the world together, Father God, and that no matter what we seem to be facing, no matter what obstacles seem to have risen in our way, no matter what is coming, Lord, that in the end, you are victorious and that there are reasons for the waiting. Father, I pray that you would make me small tonight. I pray that you would magnify Jesus Christ. I pray that he would be lifted high and that the world would know that he is their hope, Father. That the Lord Jesus is the hope of the world, that he is the light of the world, that he is all that we need to move through this place, Father God, and come into your presence. And Lord, we so desperately need your presence. So I pray that you would make me small. I pray that you would make Christ large. And I pray that you would open ears, Father. Whoever's listening tonight, Father, whatever it is that they're seeking, whatever it is that they need, I pray that you would go before these words that come out of my mouth and prepare the path for them to hit where they need to on the other end. I pray that you would bring this podcast to whoever needs to hear it. I pray that you would cause them to stumble upon it, Father, so that they would hear your word to them. They would know that you are with them and that they would know, Father, that they are beloved, that you're calling them, Lord God, that you've invited them to come. Lord, I'm so grateful that you invite us to come. And I am so grateful, Lord, that you reveal the truths of what is going on around us. Father, we thank you for all that you do and all that you are. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So it's been a really weird week. You've, you've gotten a lot of it. You, you've followed a lot of it if you've been listening to the podcast. We went to Kentucky on Sunday night. We had a really long night. We ended up at a Shaker Village, which reminds Corey of his work here at Colonial Williamsburg. Um, we came home. And it, it has been crazy busy with all kinds of things since we have arrived back. And it seems like every time I turn around, there's something else popping up and drawing my attention away from the things that I feel like I should be doing. And yet they are being drawn to things that need to be done. Um, so this morning, I think maybe that's where I need to start. This morning, our church, I think I might have mentioned yesterday that today was a 
called Conference for Disaffiliation for United Methodist Churches in Virginia. There were 34 churches that were scheduled to have their disaffiliation agreements voted on by the conference, um, which for the most part should be a formality. Um, and our church that I, I attend was singled out to be separated from the rest of the churches that were getting a block vote. And it was voted down for us to disaffiliate. And so this has thrown us into a bit of a limbo. The leaders are, are gathering together to try to wrap their head around what has happened and to determine what, if anything, can be done next. Um, and they are tasked with determining this and understanding this and carrying to the congregation some kind of peace and encouragement tomorrow morning. And I do not envy them that task. Um, I know that they are weary. I know that they have been fighting this battle for a very long time and that as they stand there, this must seem like a tremendous defeat. That it must feel as though they are blocked in by the Red Sea on one side and the cliffs on the other and Pharaoh's army is bearing down. Um, I cannot imagine that that's not what it feels like. My husband asked me earlier today if I was okay because he knows I love this church and he knows that I have been so excited for an opportunity to engage in the new thing that is coming out of Methodism, the, the global Methodist church in this new expression. I have been so excited to engage in building uh, the kingdom of God in a place with people who love him and desire to spread scriptural holiness across the land. So I am, it is a funny thing because I would not necessarily call myself a Methodist most of the time. I, I grew up very ecumenical. Um, my my dad was in the Navy, so we were in churches all over the, the country and none of them were usually the same. Um, and I'm often asked why I am a Methodist because there is so much going on within the, the broader United Methodist Church that is unbiblical. Um, and I'm asked frequently why I would want to be a part of Methodism. And the reason is because I read my Bible. <laughs> and as I read my Bible, I see Paul and Jesus and, and God promise holiness of heart and mind holiness of heart and life here in this earth and not in heaven. I see promises of deliverance from the power of evil in us, from the power of sin in us that says that we do not have to continue to be sinners, that we are able to be saints, not under our own power. And I by no means perfect in the sense that we mean that word, um, but complete in the sense that scripture means perfect, complete, because we have been filled by the Holy Spirit. We are 
built as vessels for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And when he fills us, we become complete. And in that completion, we are enabled and empowered to walk in freedom from sin. We don't have to sin. We are freed to choose to joyfully follow Christ and follow his commands and seek him with all that we are. And as we do that, God strengthens us to be able to continue to choose not to sin, to be able to continue to choose righteousness. And more, he strengthens us to love him with all that we are and to love others. And I guess that's why I'm, I'm hmm, I was wondering why we're on that tangent, but that brings us kind of to where we are. I am Wesleyan, not necessarily Methodist, and I am delighted and excited that there is a new thing beginning with a focus on spreading scriptural holiness across the land, with a focus on teaching people to obey the commands of Christ joyfully in the fullness of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. I am, I am crying out hallelujah inside my heart and soul all the time when I have an opportunity to contemplate the things that will be done the things that are coming in the kingdom of God here on earth. And so I'm very excited about being able to be a part of this. And I was very excited that the church that the Lord planted us two miles from was disaffiliating and embarking on this journey to become a part of this new thing that is being done um, in, in Wesleyan circles. And so he was a little worried about me today, um, especially because I was in prayer all day yesterday and the morning I was praying throughout the conference and, um, and I came home uh, shell shocked. I, I came home with my mind buzzing like crazy, wondering what God was doing because we had been praying. Um, I've been praying. I know a lot of people have been praying for all of the churches that are in this process. And, and so the fact that this failed for our church was just bewildering to me. Um, and there was a time I was telling, telling Corey that, you know, a year ago I would have been railing at God. I would have been so angry at him. How dare he fail to do what I asked him to do? Um, yeah, I would have been furious well, maybe not furious. I would have been angry. I would have been outraged. I would have been sad and and depressed. And I would have been struggling with all of these emotions that happen when something important, like critically important to us, does not go the way we expect. And especially when it is something of God and you believe that what you are doing is God's desire. It is, it is doubly a blow when you believe that what you are doing is God's desire. So it's like Peter cutting off the ear of, of Malchus's servant there in the garden of Gethsemane and Jesus being like, put your sword away and healing the man's ear. You have this gut level, something went really wrong <laughs> feeling. 
that that you are doing what God has says, you are following what he has told you to do. You are in his design and you are moving towards the things of him. You are you are following his commands to you and suddenly you come into a space where everything went wrong. It went sideways where it seems very much that God is not in control of the situation. And it is, it's devastating. We get this feeling of, of despair. And yet scripture tells us there is never a time where God is not in control. And we know that he always follows through on his promises. We know that he is always able. And so we know when things don't go the way that we expect, it's because something in our understanding is off. Now, today is not because our understanding of what God has called us to do is off kilter. We are seeking to be able to carry the kingdom of God and to carry the gospel to people with freedom from the, the burden of disparate doctrinal teachings with freedom from having to explain to people um, where we stand on issues of human sexuality and issues of scriptural authority and, and many of these other things that have made headlines outside the Methodist church. And when you make headlines outside of the church, the problem is, is that the world reads it through a worldly lens. And because they're not a part of the church and they're not a part of the internal conversation, they're only getting pieces of the story. And so it's so damaging to the witness. Um, it is so damaging to our witness in the world to be connected with these controversies that have been continuously being pressed since the 1970s. And so we, we know, we know that God has called us to disaffiliate. Um, but we also don't feel that God has called us to abandon the space that we have in the ministries that have been planted there. We have a preschool and a, a kindergarten that serves our community. We have other ministries that serve the community around us. And so for us to just up and leave and walk away becomes also a problem of not doing what God has called us to do. And so we seem to be in this rock hard place um, up against the, the, the Red Sea place. And we seem to be stymied that God has not delivered us and we've asked him to deliver us. And I was thinking about that today and, and I was thinking, oh, I think it's just going to be all about prayer tonight. And God was like, no, there is something you need to say. Because what you need to understand is that battles are not the war and wars are not won immediately. And of course, my brain is like, well, God, you're God. War could be won tomorrow. You could have defeated the devil by now and we could be all done with this and heaven could be here on earth and, and Jesus could come. And why haven't you done this? Because I am a very impatient person. Um, and I think all of us sometimes are an impatient person. When Jesus says he's coming soon, it, 2000 years is a long time. And that was sort of where God brought me back to. <laughs> So he brings me back to 2 Peter chapter 3. Um, and it begins with the idea, um, let's see, where am I at? There are 
that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So I'm going to stop right there, because that was really what God had told me, was that he is waiting. God knows who will come. I'm not going to get in a big conversation about predestination because that's not what this is about. God knows who will come and he is giving time for them to get here. He is giving time for them to come to him. He is giving time for them to be able to overcome the obstacles that the world has placed in their paths and the obstacles that the devil has placed before them. He is inviting and he is waiting until all those who will come to him have come. I find it kind of interesting to get that message right now because one of the messages I keep getting about Asbury is that God will continue to pour out until all those who will come have come. So I find it interesting when he resonates those same messages in different places. And and that's something that's come up about what's going on at Asbury is who's going to shut that down or how do we know and uh, when it's done or, you know, how do we know how long it's going to go? And all I can say is God has said that he will continue to pour himself out until all those who are supposed to come, all those who will accept his invitation have come. And once they have come, he will be finished what he's accomplishing there and they will go out and they will carry the gift of his spirit out across the land and ignite fires all across this country but that is a whole nother story tonight what i'm what what i was getting is that the battle that has been raging in the heavenlies the battle between the lord and the wickedness of human hearts and the wickedness of the devil has been ongoing for a very long time. And those battles continue, this war continues, and it's not because God cannot defeat Satan. He already did that. He has already defeated the devil when Jesus came and was raised from the dead. Uh, that was the defeat of Satan, and we know this. But much like, you know, guerrilla warfare in in countries like after World War II in Germany, where you had those who were still harassing the occupying forces and trying to, to continue the war, the enemy that is defeated will continue to fight for as long as he can. And so he continues to to fight. He continues these battles within the body of Christ and he continues these battles within the world. And we see this going on all across the world where you see 
human trafficking and you see actual wars happening and you see sicknesses and you see people hating one another and you see this war being waged and God is saying that, yes, I could put a stop to it today, but I have not yet rescued all those who are coming to me. That it's not just it's not just a war, it's a rescue mission. So when you have people on the ground in Afghanistan or in Iraq and you need to get them out, you can't just drop bombs from 30,000 feet and level the whole place. It's a rescue mission and rescue missions are bloody and they're hard and they require work and they require confrontation and they require us. They require us to be persistent. And sometimes we suffer losses and sometimes the enemy seems to get the upper hand. But the fact is Jesus is supreme and he always will be. And so as I was thinking about that and I was thinking about the fact that God is not lost these battles. There is more that is coming. It isn't time yet. There was something in the timing that said we needed to wait. I don't know what that timing is. I don't know how long the waiting is, but I do know that it's intentional on the Lord's part and that it is battle that is being fought. And that was the thing that brought me to Ephesians. And really, I'm going to go through most of Ephesians 6. Um, I'm going to come back to this other part here. But finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes on your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So Paul tells us that we are in a battle not necessarily against human beings, although sometimes it is the authority behind those human beings that we are battling, that we are not necessarily even in a battle here, but we are actually in the midst of a battle in the heavenly places that spills over here, that causes us to find ourselves in the middle of wrestling against Rulers and authorities and cosmic powers. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think I am very well equipped to wrestle against cosmic powers. I am, though, when I walk in the fullness of what God has given me. 
Now, when we think of armor, I it, we always come up with the whole, you know, we're putting on our 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 male suit that um, medieval knights would wear with the with the big, you know, plate mail. Uh, this is what comes to our mind when we think about armor. But when we look at this, and and he says that you know our our weapons of warfare are not of this world because that's not the kind of warfare that we're battling, right? He says, take up the whole armor of God. And then he goes on to describe what this is. And he's talking about truth and righteousness and the gospel of God's own peace and faith and salvation and the word of God. These are the weapons and the defenses that he has given us, our righteousness and our truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ and how he has come to set people free and how he has sent his spirit to dwell within us, to keep us free, that nothing shall overcome the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, that we are beloved children of God who he has rescued out of darkness and brought into his marvelous light. This is what we have as weapons to stand against wickedness and against the devil's schemes and against the things that would try to tear us down and take us away from the Lord. This is how we we fight the devil prowling around seeking those to devour is we clothe ourselves in the truth of God, in the power of God, in the spirit of God. We fill ourselves with his righteousness and his gospel. We fill ourselves with faith, not our faith, his faith. Did you know that faith is a spiritual gift? The faith that, that, that saves us, that extinguishes the flaming darts of the evil one, that is a, a gift from God that comes from the spirit in us. That gives us a supernatural ability to stand in the absolute certainty that no matter what we're facing, no matter what our circumstances are, that God is present with us and that he is moving in that and that he is using it for our good, his glory and other people's gain. That is faith that comes from God. And he says that we have these things. We have his righteousness that we are able to carry in us and through us and with us. We have his truth. Through Jesus Christ, he has given us access to his truth in us. The Holy Spirit will bring to mind all of the things that we need as we move through this world around us. So we walk in the power of the armor of God. As long as we hold all of these things and we carry all of these things in us, no matter what is going on around us. And so when we're faced with something like today, where, where our church is faced with being stuck, um, it's important for us to wrap ourselves in that truth because what happens is the enemy wants to come in and he wants to undermine all of that. And he wants to bring us into despair. He wants to bring us into doubt. He wants to bring us into wondering if God really said. He wants to bring us into wondering, is God really able? He wants us to be depressed. He wants us to be anxious. He wants us to be fretting. He wants us to be freaking out. Or he wants us to be angry and at each other's throats and calling each other names. All of those things serve his purposes to separate us from God and to separate us from what the Lord has called us to do. And scripture says you don't have to do that. 
that if we wrap ourselves in God, if we wrap ourselves in everything he has given us, then we are protected from the schemes of the enemy. That all those fiery darts of anger and despair and, and heartbreak and frustration and not knowing what's coming and doubt, all of those things are extinguished because God is wrapped around us and he's holding us and he's carrying us and he is fighting our battles for us. God fights for us. That is another thing that scripture tells us, particularly you see that a lot in the Psalms. God fights for us. This is the God who has angel armies at his disposal that he reveals to Elisha's servant because Elisha said, here, look, no, we're not actually surrounded. No, we're not actually going to be doomed and dying because look at what the Lord has sent to save us and protect us. God fights for his people. But it's hard when his people are fighting each other. God still fights for his people, but he doesn't always fight the way we expect. It's not always pulling our sword out in the garden and chopping somebody's ear off. Sometimes it's going to the cross. And sometimes it's walking away with nothing and you leave and you take no cloak with you um, and no bag for the journey. Sometimes it's something else. So just before this passage in, in Ephesians, and I'd forgotten this was here when I went back and looked. But it's something that has come to mind today. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours in heaven and that there is no partiality with them. So here's the deal. The Methodist church is a little bit weird. It's got a, a strange polity when it comes to, to authority because the bishops have authority and the conference has authority, but the conference is the people. And pastors have authority, but they don't really have authority because the church is the people and the, the pastors are itinerant for a reason. Um, if our churches, and we're not the only church that is faced with this, so far there have been three other churches that have had the same issue and we are expecting there will be more. There's an entire conference that has been denied any disaffiliation. There's another conference where disaffiliation has been halted for the foreseeable future. Um, there are many who find themselves bond servants enslaved in a denomination that they believe is abusing them. But it is where God has put them for this moment. That doesn't mean he won't deliver them. But it does mean that as we are stuck where we are, it is important for us to behave as Christ desires us to behave, that we serve well, that we serve well within the limits of what God calls us to do. So in other words, there should be not a single Christian 
in any of these churches that does anything that violates the commands of the Lord. We should steadfastly refuse that and suffer whatever consequences are necessary. But in all things where possible, where it doesn't conflict with God's commands, we should serve well. We should be exemplary. We should confront and contradict false teaching and we should confront and contradict and stand fast and vote and participate in not allowing falsity and heresy and apostasy to spread. We should take that very seriously, but at the same time, we should serve well. If our masters in this context refuse to let us go, then we should wait on the deliverance of the Lord. And while we do, we should do what he calls us to do well. We should be righteous. We should wrap ourselves in his righteousness and in his faithfulness and in his peace. And we should go about the business that he sets us on. Because here's the thing. This is bond servants serve your earthly masters. And in the sense of what we're talking about, we're not actual slaves, although we feel like it sometimes. We're not actual slaves. We are slaves of Christ. And we are there to serve him. And it does not really matter what name the world tries to slap on us. We serve God. I've never served the UMC, although I have served within the UMC before. I wasn't there to serve the institution. I was there to serve the Lord that placed me there. I am here to serve the Lord that has placed me here, and I know he has placed me here. And I know he will use me to do great and mighty things here in this space and in this time and with these people. Not because I'm great and mighty, but because he is. And he calls us to serve him well. And if we seek him first, if we seek what he desires for us to do, if we seek his will, and if we do the things that he calls us to do in the face of adversity, in the face of obstacles, in the face of the Red Sea, if we are willing to step out in faith and put our staff out over the water, he will deliver us. He promises to deliver us from evil. And I'm not sitting here. I want you to hear this very clearly for those listening. I'm not actually sitting here saying that the bishop is evil or the cabinet is evil or the conference is evil or any of the people in, in these positions are evil. I believe most of them are acting in good faith, that they love the Lord, that they have a different understanding that that they are not seeking to be wicked. And so I'm not here to cast aspersions. That's not what this is. The days are evil. There's turmoil in so many places. The process that we are locked in that is abusive towards one another, and it is abusive towards one another. I know I've come out of an abusive marriage. I know what that looks like. It is abusive towards one another. And sometimes you just need to separate 
so that you can both go in peace. But I think frequently that's not because people are intending evil. It's because that when there is so much at stake, when we love God and we love one another and we see those things falling apart, we feel as though we must we must fix it and we must keep it together and we must force that. And the reality is we can't do that. We have to love God with all that we are and trust that he will help us to love one another well. And sometimes loving one another well might mean going different directions, much like Paul and Barnabas did. But for the moment, when it means being stuck where we are, we should praise the Lord, serve him well, and we should suit up. Because the fact is, is we are in the middle of an ongoing war. And at the moment, it's ramping up. Every Christian on the planet right now is in the middle of this war, and it's ramping up. Wickedness is on the rise, which means that God will meet it. And we will see him and he will be glorious. But his enemies will always come. We talked about that yesterday. So strange. So Father God, I ask for each person listening to this tonight that you would help them put on their armor. That you would remind them, Lord, that the tools that they need are your truth and the faith that you've given them, the peace that comes from your gospel, Lord God, the righteousness, your word, Father God, and prayer, that they would pray all the time, God, that they would pray. Father, I pray that they would know these things, that they would gird themselves and that they would be ready to proclaim your gospel, to have their mouths filled boldly with words. And at the same time, Lord God, to submit to whatever circumstances you put them in while they walk in your righteousness and speak your truth and love people well and carry your peace. Lord, help us to do these things because in our own power, these all seem very much in contention with each other. And it does not seem possible, Lord, to love you well and to live within the circumstances where we find ourselves. But we know that you are able. We know that you are victorious and we know that the battle belongs to you, Lord. So help us to show up. Help us to be a blessing in the midst of that and help us, God, to be at peace. I pray your peace, Lord, for our leadership council and those who are, are leading us forward, I pray your peace, Lord God, for those who have managed to disaffiliate. I pray, Father, for all those who are staying within the UMC. I pray, God, that you would pour out and meet every one of us exactly where we are. That what you have been doing in Kentucky, Father God, would happen in every single heart of those who call Jesus Lord. That you would carry that outward, Lord, that, that you would just pour that all across the world. We're seeing you do that already. I pray that you would continue because we're hungry, Father, and we need you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.